Just throwing everything off. Oh man, the echo's gonna be wrong. Uh, <laughs> bouncing off of Kirsten's tol- head the wrong way. I totally meant to make a joke about that when we started. Oh, about the the Kirsten Goblin in the corner of the room. Yeah, th- this episode of of Swords and Stereo is recorded before a live studio audience. Old City Longsword presents Swords in Stereo. Welcome to Swords in Stereo. This is Matt Stinson. I'm Keith Ham. And Johan Lopez. We're here at Bold City Longsword, the coolest place on earth. And we're going to do an episode today about... Parallels with SCA and HEMA. Are there any? I don't know. Let's find out. (laughs) So we're going to start this off. Keith's going to tell us about himself and how he got into HEMA because he did the SCA first. And uh, he was technically a member of Bolsey Longsword long before I was. So, Keith, what's up with you, man? (laughs) <laughs> so, I uh, started fencing in 2001, and this was back before HEMA was a word. Google and YouTube weren't around or what they are now. And so, there, there wasn't much of an internet presence for things like what we were calling back then WMA or whatever. And so, I didn't know that it existed. But I was walking in the weird side of town one day and came across people sword fighting and immediately crossed the, shore, the street and was like, hey, I want to do this too. And it was the SEA. And like shortly after that, I, I started looking into other avenues and like Arma was a thing, but they didn't have any local chapters. Uh, and I, just, I really didn't like their, their business model that much from what I could see. So I, I stuck with the SEA and have been doing it ever since. Uh, unfortunately, there were, there were big gaps in there where I you know got into my 20s and went to college and took a bunch of time off. So I'm, I'm not as good as I should be for someone who can say they started in 2001. But I've been at this for a little while now. Then, I don't know how many years ago, another fencer and I were, were looking for other options and came across a, a thing on Meetup where Christian was having uh, HEMA classes in his driveway. And at the time, it was like four of us meeting up on Saturday afternoons or something. I So when I took over the club, I stole all the Christian... Christian had uh, the club had a different name, and Christian had a bunch of pictures posted on that Facebook page, mm. and I stole them all, <laughs> just you know to preserve club history yeah. or whatnot. And there's one where like y'all are literally doing push-ups while holding your swords. I wasn't there that day, and uh, I kept it, and it makes me happy every time I randomly <laughs> see it. So yeah, we started you know rather humbly there or whatever, and then. Because I was doing the SCA, um, we had fighter practice. Christian wanted to come and host his HEMA stuff, like, right after it at the same park so that maybe we'd get some bleed over. And that's when we went from one club idea to another and started really building it out. And that's shortly before you guys, like, you and Lucas showed up. Yeah, at the park that the city kicked us out of. Yay! Kicked everybody out of the parks. So... 
from the standpoint of someone in HEMA, I've just started HEMA. I'm looking for ways to practice. There's not a HEMA club in my area, but there is an SCA chapter in my area. What should I expect if I want to go there and train? Well, quick caveat at the beginning here. The SCA is a lot like HEMA in that it's like it has a governing body, but it's very different in different groups. Like local culture is a thing. So if you show up at a practice, it might only be armored. It might only be rapier. Or it might be a really huge thing where you can do all kinds of stuff. It just depends on where you're at. Or you could go and there could be an incredible instructor there who like really has his like system worked out and he can point to sources and he's training people in like a, a reasonable way and producing good fighters. Or it could be like three friends with sticks and swords that just like to fight. So it's, it's really varied and you can't really go into it with a ton of expectations because it just could be wildly different from anything I've ever been to. So you just you just need to put your toe in and see yeah. see the temperature of the water. Yeah, and like the the SCA gets a lot of flack and has for a long time. I remember like one of the first like Hema ish things I did was I, I bought a book written by John Clements, um, and he spends like the first half of the book trashing other fencing organizations, and, and a good amount of it is directed towards the SCA. And like, man, that's a turnoff. But uh, so you can't go in with that attitude of like, oh, I'm going to show these guys what's up or like show them how we do things in HEMA. Like, just go see what they do. See how I can help you. You know, open minded because they've been doing some of this stuff for a very long time and they've got reasons for doing things the way they do. So like if you if you go in with a chip on your shoulder, be like, oh, I've been training HEMA for a year, then you're probably going to get laughed at. But if you say like, hey, I'm looking for people to fight with then you might find, you know, a really, really good outlet. So generally, let's just say an average SCA meetup or club, or I don't, I don't even know what to call it. The, uh, you, you do rapier yeah, primarily, but they also have armored and they use the, the bamboo clubby things. Rattan, yeah. For, yep. So how would I come in and say, I mainly do longsword because that's mainly what HEMA is. This is what I'm comfortable with. What are you, you know? So the, the SEA has two different rule sets for steel combat. One is rapier, although like your weapon doesn't actually have to be a rapier. That's just kind of the rule set it falls under. And the terminology may vary, but it's it's thrust oriented with no con- like percussive blows. And then we have cut and thrust, which is basically hemo with, with some idea of calibration and funny clothes on. Uh, so you, you can open it up to doing longsword, saber, sack, whatever you want. I mean, as, as long as it's not enormous or like you know, a pole arm. Mm-hmm. So like those sweet sacks that just went on sale, <laughs> like those really pretty ones. Yeah, I mean, if they pass the flex test. With Dorothea from uh, Nice Connecting Board. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's her name. So the, the caveat there being that certain places won't let you jump in and do cut and thrust right away. They, you know, some, some kingdoms as the, you know, the regional groups are called, um, expect you to, to authorize in rapier first to get an idea of, you know, safety and like their culture, uh, before they'll allow you to do that. But then like, there's one kingdom that only has cut and thrust. Uh, they never had a rapier rule set and 
it's really weird. But so you have to kind of go in and, and feel that out. If you're a longsword guy and your local group like doesn't have longsword people or they have a couple, but they want you to play rapier first, like that's something you're going to have to deal with. And if you get like, so a fit about it, they'll just, you know, ignore you. So you brought up safety. What I, I know they wear garb and, but we wear more modern fencing uh, safety gear. Uh, what what is the difference between the SEA safety gear or requirements? I guess not much really. So for the the rapier rule set, they're mostly looking at puncture resistance uh, because there aren't any percussive cuts. You don't need a gambus and you don't need elbow, you know, shields or, or whatever else. So you can go out there in a fencing jacket and some leather gloves mm-hmm. uh, with a cup, uh, throat protection, and a mask, and then cut and thrust adds in. Since, rigid protection in places. Since this is kind of on topic, tell me about that uh, really pretty, not real chainmail that y'all wear, because it's pretty and I want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we live in Florida, and SCA stuff, uh, particularly in the South, happens outside. Uh, the Northern people are, are lucky and they get snowed on half the year or whatever, so like they, they tend to practice inside. We don't have a reason to do that here, so we're outside. And wearing, you know, a 450 Newton jacket or a Dublay in the summer in Florida outside is not fun. So I've invested in a, uh, a chain shirt. Uh, it's basically a shark suit or whatever. It's that like, you know, cut resistant modern male um, that passes those rule sets and it breathes. And it's been an absolute lifesaver. If I were still fighting in like my old like tunic fencing jacket, I'd be miserable and I might not even be alive anymore. Well, I'm glad you're alive. That helps me run the club. So thank you. <laughs> so, so we went over spate, uh, safety. How do you do, what's the, like, how do you do matches? Like what's the difference between just like a pickup match, a sparring day or like official matches at like, uh, at an event? Is it points? Is it, do you have a marshal? Uh, how does all that work? Typically, and under the rules, basically every fight should happen like with a marshal present watching. But it, they're not always like actively involved. And in most kingdoms, the marshal is only there to make sure that safety is adhered to and not a judge or a ref in any way. The fighters call their own blows uh, so that y- you open up that door to you know, somebody lying about whether or not they got hit, but you never get the oh, the judge thought he saw this, so he called a stop to the fight, and like that totally didn't happen. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a give and take. Uh, as far as points, that doesn't really happen. It's This is where things get a little weird for me, because it's, it's sort of going like they're real. So a thrust to the body or the head ends the fight, or the arteries inside the armor leg. But then, Like the Bushido Blade PlayStation game <laughs> from 1998? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I love that game. Great game. So then you have shots to the limbs. They aren't worth less like in you know HEMA point system, but they they may cause you to lose the use of that limb. So if you get hit in the leg, you sit down. If you get hit in the arm, you can't use that arm for the rest of the fight, which I've always found a little silly in my personal opinion, but you know it's the rule set I came into, so I, I play by it. I just I try not to wound people because... I don't want them to have to be silly. I just stab them in the neck instead. Fair enough. So if I am wanting to fence, the SCA is my 
only option to join a group currently in my location? What level evolvement do I need to be in the SEA just to show up and fence? Uh, you basically make that decision yourself. Um, in order to compete or fight at events, you need to be authorized. Uh, it's basically just you go through a test to show that you can safely fight without killing anyone, including yourself. Um, but to show up at a practice and play, it's literally just show up. They'll be happy to have new people, just like a HEMA club is, yay, new members. And then they'll, they, some may start you off just drilling for a while. You know, like I said, culture varies, but they're just happy to have bodies on the field. Well, are there garb requirements? Are there gear requirements? Are there, do I need to pay fees? Do I need to sign up? Do I need to have a persona? All that stuff? No, no, no. Um, particularly if you're, if you're just looking for somebody to play with and go to practices, then you don't need much at all of that. But once again, local culture varies. Uh, I do not practice in garb. Garb can be expensive. I'm not going to wear it every week and sweat in it. So like I've, I've just never been a fan of that. Some people are. Some people may require it. I'm, I'm anti-garb at practice. But then gear is just like a HEMA club. They've probably got some loaner for you. Uh, but if you've got your own... Come it, bring it out, see if it passes. Because a lot of HEMA gear is rated for 350 newtons, which is low on the SCA scale. But it, you know, your throat protector, assuming you don't have one of those silly foam ones, probably works. Your mask should pass. Stuff like that. But as, once again, if you don't have gear, they've probably got some for you and can point you to where to get more or how to make some of it. Plunder hose. Yeah. Pluter. Pluter. What? I'm American. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, Johan, you you recently joined the SCA, but you did HEMA first. So, you, But you've been to a couple of events now? Yeah, actually about two. What were some main differences you noticed as someone who did HEMA first? And like, So, Keith did SCA for like six, seven years, eight years, ten years, a million years. before, Yeah, before <laughs> he came to HEMA. So, you're like the opposite. Did you notice any big differences? The barrier to entry for me... Uh, felt a little bit higher just because there is that that extra layer of garb and persona and all all of that. Like I realize that it's not essential, but it because that's the norm. It also feels kind of necessary. So I would say Hema was felt easier to to get into since you guys are right here in town. But uh, aside from that aspect, I mean they're they're more or less the same sort of sort of thing. So to clarify a few points there, we don't have a local SCA practice right now because like we mentioned earlier, the city parks issue. So, like, there's not that presence that would normally happen. Like, that's how I got in, was I found the local practice. Johan, however, I'm just like, hey, you train rapier with me. Want to go fight some more people? Put this funny shirt on. <laughs> um, and, and any of my rapier students that want to get involved, I, I will drag them out to an SCA tournament, get them authorized, and, you know, throw them into a tournament there. Just Because so, if you're in the right place, there is an SCA event every weekend. And if you want more tourney time, like, you can get it. But then he mentioned, you know, garb and persona. So garb is only really, truly required at an event. And it only has to be an attempt. Like, you don't have to show up looking fabulous. Not everybody can do that. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. I'm going to look fabulous. <laughs> well, sure. But you can, you can do budget stuff. There's loner garb. All kinds of options there. Um, and then the persona side of things. You don't have to nail that down, especially starting off. If you show up and be like, I'm Matt, then you'll be Matt of whatever your local group is until you decide on a different name. 
and then this gets fuzzy too because a lot of people consider the SCA LARPing, but I have never been at an SCA event and pretended even for a moment that I was anyone other than Keith. Like it's it's not a thing. Uh, it some people like an immersive experience or whatever, but they're still not like playing a story. The persona is literally just to to kind of justify what you're wearing. So like, like a- I, I, I'm focusing on French, you know, merchant class in this decade. This is what I would be wearing, and this is what my name or would have been a normal name at the time, and you know, build everything around that idea rather than like, oh, I'm I'm totally this person now. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's just like a focal point so you can streamline what you're studying and what yeah. you're getting into. Maybe even what you're, what garb you're wearing. And you're not just like, yes, I am the 1600s. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Although you, you can get away with that for a good long time. Okay. If you don't really know what you want to do, All of, the only rule is it has to be an attempt at pre-1600 clothing. And nobody is going to bat an eye and except, you know, absolute douchebags but those exist everywhere <laughs> i do want to point out that is probably one significant difference between HEMA and the sca and one of the reasons why i joined is uh tournaments and events in general feel a lot more prolific they're, they're they happen a lot more often and i at the time i'd particularly been wanting to get in more fights in a competitive setting uh along a consistent basis so it, it just made sense want to use the the sca to enhance my amount of HEMA fighting time. Well, it also seems like the SCA events, you know, it's not 100% fighting. Oh, no. I mean, a a random, sometimes at HEMA events, they'll have a few classes or whatever, but everything is focused around the tournament. And it seems like SCA events, fighting is only a part part of it. Yeah, so they're not a reenactment group. They're a recreation group. And they, they try to, like, dig into as many aspects of, you know, historical life as they can. So, like, each individual person may have a different reason for being there. For me, it was rapier. For some people, it's blacksmithing. For some people, it's making clothes. It's whatever. Historical cooking, yeah. Yeah, there's cooking and, and literally everything. And so there's a whole lot going on at events away from the tournament field. And there are people who have been in the SCA for much longer than I've been alive who have never touched a sword. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> so keith what do you think uh what do you think there are that heme the hema community and the sca community can learn from each other a lot so to start with we'll say hema from sca and then maybe we can flip it around after that and one of the things that, that has irritated me most about hema is the insistence on reinventing the wheel. You know, like new designs on throat protection and jackets and blah, blah, blah. And some of them come out good, some of them, meh. But, like, literally there's a group that has been fighting with steel and trying to stab each other in the neck for 40 years. They've kind of figured some of that stuff out, and maybe you should look at what they've done instead of, you know, giving yourself an EOD jacket. And that, <laughs> No, I'm not taking shots at the, the RSM jackets or whatever they're called. But... Just everybody's trying to come out with some new product to answer questions that I've had in my gear bag for years. And one of the other answers to that problem is safety. Stop being an idiot and accept the idea that maybe I don't need to just knock the crap out of somebody every time I hit them. Maybe stiffer swords won't make me fight better. 
start looking at how you can keep your opponent safe instead of them buying another piece of gear. And, like, you don't have to play tag. It, it's not, you know, foam weapons or anything like that. It's just be reasonable. If you start hurting people, maybe it's you. Maybe it's not their gloves. So, like, you can really cut down on the, the need for that next piece of gear if you just have some, like, culture of safety and calibration in your club. The other way, SCA learning from HEMA, sometimes... So, there's, there's like, the opposite side of that is that being so obsessed with safety, it gets obnoxious when you know, they're not willing to try new things. But it's it's tough because it's, rather than a bunch of different clubs, it's one corporate entity. And so the, there's lawyers involved and like they have to, you know, cross their T's and dot their I's in a different way than HEMA clubs do. And so like trying new things is a little weird, but like, man, sometimes I wish we could just fly by the seat of our pants like the HEMA community does. I'm not even wearing pants. <laughs> He's wearing shorts, everybody. <laughs> do you mean like specifically in competitive formats or like rule sets? Yeah, like, you know, it took forever to get that cut and thrust uh, rule set off the ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all kinds of experiments that are constantly happening for new weapons or new armor. Uh, for instance, we had a an, an experiment to reduce armor requirements. So it's called the reduced armor experiment. To where I didn't need puncture resistance anymore because it used to be that like way back in the day before we had good vendors the only swords you could find were epes and foils and so that's what they fenced with i even started when foils i mean not foils but epes were still a thing and so we we built our safety rules around that and foils and epes are sporting equipment and by their nature they're disposable they're not meant to be used for years and years and years they break and so we had all of this gear on to prevent injuries from a broken blade. But ever since we've abandoned those, breakages have happened way less often. And so we're not quite as worried about that anymore. At least we're trying to convince the lawyers that we're not. They're not. We're so, not? We're not. So there's some heavy <laughs> editing for you there, Nolan. <laughs> I, ne- I never get to do that to anybody. That yeah. maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, and But like that's been bogged down. And the case we've been making is that like, oh we get a lot more problems from heat exhaustion and, you know, quote-unquote injuries from that than we ever do from weapons. So, like, hey, let's let's chill a little bit. But we have to go through this whole process. We have to make everybody happy and, you know, above board before anything can get approved. And meanwhile, we're all still sweating to death. Mm. So, like, part of my morning ritual is uh, I wake up, I get an energy drink, I go to my computer... I go to castillearmory.com and I build a sword every morning. <laughs> Sometimes I do it like three or four times. And there's a little box I have to check that asks me if this sword's going to be used for HEMA or for SCA. What does that do? Well, for one, the, the SCA has a specific requirement of how much the weapon should flex. Uh, I'm not going to give numbers on that because I don't ever actually remember them. But it, it's the old British saber test, basically. And so it if you're planning to use it in the SCA, it has to be below a certain level of stiffness. But also, he'll you know post on, on Castile sometimes that like, this weapon is appropriate for SCA but not HEMA. And that's usually going under the assumption that you're throwing percussive cuts. And so he'll make certain lighter weapons that will last forever just fine in SCA rapier. But as soon as you start playing side sword with them or something, or like 
mixed weapons against a fetter, it's going to get destroyed. And so he's just kind of covering his base on that as far as, like, this is what Hema is. Because, obviously, like, I use the same swords in both. It's just you've got to use the right sword for the right job. I'm not going to let somebody, you know, hit my rapier with a fetter, even though I have a Regenier rapier that was made for Hema. It's not made for that. So, like, it it works across the board. Um, they have different requirements. So would you say that flex in SCA Cut and Thrust is pretty comparable to flex desired in Hema? Sometimes. There definitely are some of the stiffer fetters out there that I wouldn't let on a field in the SCA. Mm. Which, you know, by the way, like, all intents for I am a marshal in the SCA. I, you know, I enforce these rules. I'm supposed to know all of them. I just kind of forget the numbers on them. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely Hema weapons that are, are in fairly common use that would just not be allowed on an SCA field. Uh, but if you can bend it with your hand without like stabbing yourself, you might be able to take it on an SCA field, at least take it and show it to the local marshal. Well, I know that's, that's changing in HEMA too. Um, I've been to, oh, every tournament's different because there's no governor body. But uh, I've been to tournaments where the sword I used the year before they wouldn't let me use the next year because they, they, yeah, they, <laughs> they looked at the data and they're like, uh, we're not comfortable with this anymore. And so I, th- I think That's, some of that is bleeding through. Yeah, moving in a good direction, definitely, because you don't need to be stabbing people with rebar. It worked in Blade 2. <laughs> yeah, it, it worked in the sense that it punctured someone. A vampire. Yeah. So, I mean... It's okay, but there's a vampire that ate other vampires. <laughs> Watch Blade Two; it's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, there could be a lot of exchange of ideas between the the two communities because, like, we all love playing with swords, and we're just doing it under different, you know, assumptions. And like, if you want more sword, go to the SCA. If you're an SCA person and you want more sword, go find your local Hema club. They're not as terrifying as you may think. Especially once you put the gear on and, you know, talk to people about, like, I'm new to this, you know, particular facet. Show me how, you know, these go for you, like, whether it's sparring or whatever. And obviously there are some unsafe people out there. And if you get that notion from them, then run screaming. But mostly we're just here to have a good time. And uh, we can tailor the experience, you know, to to whatever's needed. A good time is the most important thing. If people aren't having a good time, they're not going to come back. Yeah, then why are you doing it? Yeah. Although that is one of like my least favorite things that people say, but that's that's a story for another day. <laughs> it's that's because rape your tournaments on Sunday, and I can't fix that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, this has been Swords in Stereo live in front of a studio audience at Bolt City Longsword. This episode of Swords and Stereo was produced by Final Plank Media Productions. Theme song for Swords and Stereo is Thunderer by Professor Agma. Check him out too. To find out more about Bold City Longsword, visit their website at jacksonvillehema.com. To find more Final Plank Media produced podcasts, visit finalplank.com or visit us at Final Plank on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.